0: following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One.
1: Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and
2: Dexter at Total Wine and More. Garnishing your ham with pineapple? Pair it with a delicious Chardonnay to make their taste buds swirl. Deviled eggs are even better when paired with a light, dry wine like a bubbly Prosecco or a Pinot Grigio. For me, nothing beats recommending a great wine. And with such an extensive selection, I can help you find the perfect one in your budget. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has
1: you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices.
3: Cheers! My name is Matt Perez, and my name is Satchel Drakes, and this is Overworld, where we try to be curious, fail at being smart, and talk about video games at the intersection of art, society, and other stuff. Hey, Satchel. Hey, Matt. How's it going, man? Pretty good. You know, do you play
1: any, like, competitive games ever? Let me think.
3: So, in high school, so I went to a very interesting high school. It was like a magnet school. There were a lot of nerds there. And I, I, I'd say, and, um, we had a, I had a couple of friends who were a part of a, a team of cyber athletes. Uh, they played Counter-Strike. I believe Counter-Strike 1.6. That's what people were playing at the time. And, uh, it was cool. Like they were really, they were, they were Cal M I, th- I believe. And, uh, they were sponsored by Nvidia and it was like really cool. And like, really tight and i was horrible um, but i would we all hung out together so by virtue like if there was like a land party or whatever i would like go and i would just sort of like be the runt there um either playing counter-strike and like just getting wrecked like instantly right and like i spent more time on the spectator screen um waiting for a respawn than like actually like on the ground and uh i played a little bit of starcraft oh man the first one yeah how about yourself
1: that's always intimidating. I love competitive games, but it's similar to you, where it's like, you know, with, like, Counter-Strike, I, uh, I'm i not the best. But I don't know, for you, like, when you, like, manage to get a kill or something, like, it feels like, wow, I actually did something. Like, it feels amazing,
3: right? Oh, 100%. I mean, you imagine 10 deaths, 1 win. <laughs> 10 deaths, 1 win. That was my life. So, each one of those, the reward was very, very high. Sweet. Well, that's... Kind of want
1: to talk about that in regards
3: to esports. Do you watch any esports? When it's in town. So my thing with esports is, um, I so I know the traditional venue is Twitch. I typically use Twitch to watch like speed running, which is like a different kind of competitive for mm-hmm. esports. If there's ever a live event, um, I'm always there. Do I know what's going on? Not always, because sometimes the kind of the the barrier of entry as far as understanding the meta is, like, really out there, but it's really exciting going to them. And I have a basic idea of what will happen in, like, a League or, like, StarCraft II kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Do you, have you ever played, since you played a first-person shooter, have you played Overwatch?
3: Yeah, I have. Um, that was, like, that, like, monopolized my PlayStation time a few months ago. it <laughs> kind of first came out, it was the, just a thing I played with friends to a, not a competitive capacity, but, you know, just to show up, talk nonsense, and... Not pay attention to the payload. Yeah, that's kind of how I play it, too. Like,
1: I, my friend from Seattle will just sit down and, like, hang out for, like, an hour just talking. But you kind of need something yeah. in the background. So it's like, oh, we'll just play Overwatch or something.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a... I am a first-person shooter kind of guy. Like, I always get the new Call of Duty when it comes out. But um, as far as competitive stuff, I always, almost always play campaign and never play online. But with Overwatch... There, i guess there's this kind of general approachability there that um it's just really easy to pick up and like get in and play and like i might like at, at any given night i i'm by no means personally invested in it but i might get a uh what do you call it a kill of the round a kill of the play the game oh like, yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like oh cool that's a good feeling what? yeah
1: i got like one of those ever i think <laughs> it's kind of demoralizing but no, like that's you know the <laughs> consensus. I think it's like it's very accessible. It's colorful. It's fun. Um,
3: it is colorful. Blizzard's good at that.
1: Yeah, and it great le-
3: accessibility too.
1: Yeah, I think that's a major part. Especially you see it compared to games like League of Legends and Counter Strike and Dota, which are you know these games you hear often. I even say it now about League of Legends, which I've put so much time of my life into. It's like yeah, I'd rather just watch it and not play it ever again
3: kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> do do people make those comparisons? Is Overwatch typically, like, lumped in with, with the rest of those kinds of games?
1: Yeah, I think because, uh, you know, it became, uh, in less than a year, it became a billion-dollar franchise. I think a lot Jeez, to do amazing. with, uh, you know, loot boxes and mic- microtransactions, like, really boosts that. But, like, it's an extremely popular game. Um, it's still heavily uh, played. Uh but yeah, it's compared because competitive shooter that's now like the the, the in vogue shooter right now because there's always like one it was like Halo three and then it's Call of Duty fair um, fair and but uh, it, I often hear especially like on when I was playing League of Legends a lot uh, a lot of people were saying like well when you play League of Legends like you're committing maybe forty to an hour of your time and you know it it can be a miserable experience. <laughs> Um, whereas, like, Overwatch... In terms of what? Uh, man, it's it's something. it, it, it just so much <laughs> tension. Everyone's on edge. You should mute all your teammates because they're just going to freak out uh, on you uh, eventually. Oh, yes, I've it, heard of this.
3: I've watched... It, it's funny. I haven't played a lick of League, but the world around it and the YouTube videos about it, <laughs> I watch those. Because it's just all about the perpetual salt... <laughs> and, like, like lack of grace for anybody that you're playing with. It mm-hmm. seems incredibly toxic if you're in it, entertaining if you're not. <laughs> yeah. And people,
1: so that's the thing, like, Overwatch, when it came out especially, it was seen as, like, okay, this is something where you spend maybe 15 minutes in a match, and it goes by quick. Uh, it's not like Counter-Strike, where if you die, you're out of the round, period, and you have to wait. It's like, you die, you'll respawn, you'll run back in, and... There's, uh, it's, it's just a bit more, I mean, the, the easy term is accessible, but I think that was the thing. It's like, I, I play this and I don't feel bad at the end of the day. Whereas like League of Legends, you
3: probably feel bad at the end of the day. Um, that's fair. Well, maybe you feel bad because of all the different things that the people you were playing with have said about what they're going to do to your family.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's probably a factor. But it's funny because um, I've been thinking about this. Uh, you know, I really enjoy eSports. I love watching uh, League of Legends. That's what really got me into it. Um, and Blizzard is really pushing for Overwatch to be an eSport. They're starting to invest millions of dollars into it. They have um, it. They're making a league where to buy in, you need to upfront pay 20 mil. and you have uh, like the New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft getting into it. Twenty miles is probably pretty small for him, but you know, it's it's seen as like, okay, Blizzard's really behind this. Um, it's a game that's being right. frequently played by a lot of people. Like let's go. It into- says a lot
3: that they can set it that they can even set like a minimum like that. Like it's like go big or go home. Like this is this is realness. And it, it makes sense, right? Mm hmm Esports is no um it's no underdog engagement.
1: Oh no it's huge especially on Twitch when you look at engagement like i think something like counter strike like 50% of the stuff that's watched on Twitch is esports uh yeah. concerning the game yeah. not just like normal people playing uh which is what you usually get on Twitch but now like it's being really built up to be this humongous thing but it's interesting because you know there's not really an established eSport ecosystem for Overwatch right now um for every other eSport, the big ones League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Dota, they, like, got built up naturally, like, from the ground up. Like, Riot was, like, a yeah. tiny little studio, like, an indie, independent studio. And, um, you know, within, I guess, like, I'm trying to estimate maybe two or three years, they sell out Staple Center. And Tencent, yeah. this gi- giant in, um, I think, China, like, buy them up. And it, right. it, it was, like, na- now you have, like, Overwatch is extremely different in the sense of, like, only now is league of legends now moving to um having uh a teams buy into the league now uh, in north america blizzard is going to do it with um overwatch but they don't really have that established um uh, uh you know competitive scene so it's definitely being right. seen as risky especially they also want to make it regional where you you know there's a team in houston a team in la a team in new york it's like yeah. That hasn't
3: been done successfully before. So it's just like... I love that. I'm actually very excited for that part the most. Mm-hmm. Just that, that I don't know, that, that idea of area rivalry. The, the closest thing I can think about is like with, within, with FGC, within the fighting games community, um, that sort of competitive world. For the longest time, there was an East Coast, West Coast rivalry. And I feel like that sort of regional like allyship helped charge the excitement and and in a lot of ways like the accessibility of i don't know just having this thing having this sport having this thing like very very similar to like analog sports where um there might be people who like aren't going out and playing tennis like they, well not tennis that's the worst example but like they aren't going actually it's an okay example but <laughs> like for for a, a more like american-centric sport like for measure um, there are a lot of people that they aren't necessarily going out and playing football themselves, but they can rally behind like their city or their like area. I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, one, th- one thing that comes to mind for me about what you're saying though, I, I almost wonder, and please kind of like fact check me here, like it-, it almost seems like we're in a place where, um, from someone with a foot on the inside and a foot on the outside, like it seems like we're almost at a place where um, relative, the relative youth of like a title that, that people are playing. Um, kind of matters less and less over time because as sort of competitive interest has been rising, so has this the sort of robust uh, the robust context of the industry around eSports like that sort of like unless you're from South Korea, eSports as sort of like this industry is still this it, it, it's still this new thing right and it's like we have big players and it makes a lot of sense, but we haven't had big players for like, Decades, you know what I mean, and it's almost like the mere fact that we're that we're in a place where a relatively young game can start like um can start garnering this sort of like four dollar sign five dollar sign nine dollar sign <laughs> attention like i it, it, it's almost like i guess more accurately like six or seven like it it almost seems a bit more feasible is that making sense are you, are you are are you tracking with me
1: I think I see what you're saying, yeah. I mean, it's definitely people are believing in esports as a whole because uh, it's just like trending faster, upward. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's 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 now proved. Like, I don't think basically esports isn't going to go away. Um, I think yeah. League of Legends, their uh, NALCS, uh, Counter Strike with their tournaments, like they will stick around. Basically, like they'll be here, um, and esports as a whole. Like, I think um, it's predicted that it'll you know hit. Uh, billion dollar uh, revenue by like 2020 like it's Easily, huge yeah. and the audience There's a is a lot of huge. money to be made <laughs> yeah absolutely it's interesting though it's like you kind of you question it's like okay with Overwatch in particular is it the you know the people investing in this um like Robert Kraft is like is that a matter of esports as a whole is popular so let's let's uh, um, take the risk and invest in this particular league that has blizzard behind it Or do they really believe in in this specific title, you know? And that's, like, a question that's, like, been kind of bouncing around a little bit.
3: Like most industries, it's probably cyclical. Like, it's probably the kind of thing where you have people who are, like, CFO-minded, right? And, like, they're thinking about, like, risk aversion and things like that. And they're willing to make the investment because the numbers are, like, good, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there are people who believe in it that sort of help generate like that the other side of things, like whether a title is popular or not. and the the, the people who are more like financially minded end up playing lottery with how the community works. I mean, it's the same thing with films, right? like is anyone, is, is, everyone, is everyone who's like vested in Marvel Studios like did they all grow up reading comics? I mean, maybe some, probably not. like mm-hmm. I don't know that, that makes you, you kind of get what I mean like I, at least I wonder this is all speculation. Oh yeah, no, I get it. It's it's yeah. like I like I I don't know where Rick Fox actually stands with. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like his kid likes with the game the themselves, you know what I mean? Feature. I mean maybe he loves it, you know what I mean? Um, but the idea that like people with money to throw around like see, you know they like maybe they had an account where they saw the Staples Center get like completely packed for some league like, and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. what's going on here? It's young, it's like making money. How do I get in?
1: But yeah, that's a big okay. thing. It's like it's it's like uh, a lot of young people are into it. Um, you see, like declining TV viewership for a lot of other sports, and like you know, you're seeing this thing blow up. And the idea of like it, it's you know, you can compare it to like getting on the ground floor of like the NBA. Like getting, uh, yeah. it's like crazy thinking about like in 1967, Ed Snyder was like, oh, I want a hockey team. I want to build one in Philadelphia. Like, and that's now been there for 50 years you know that's nuts um and i think that's like where we're at right now where it's like okay we have some money to spare let's let's get into it um and 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 this they're making a bet on like what's available right now i do so i really really hope overwatch succeeds as an esport because any any title that succeeds as an esport is good in general uh uh, for the entire industry right yeah yeah I, I think I'm on, you know, when it comes to people looking at it as a risky investment versus as like a secure investment, like I, I kind of err on the side of, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I, It
3: might, you know, it might fail, you know? <laughs> well, earlier you you mentioned saying it's an in vogue shooter and then you compared it to Halo. I'm curious to know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Halo, Halo, I think with the lifespan of Halo, it's like uh, people talk about it and then that dies. And then, like, it, it people talk about it a lot, and then college students are on it for a bit, and then it dies. Yeah. Like, do you feel do you feel Overwatch is the same way, or do you feel like it, it's a little bit more robust than that? Like, it's
1: tough. Well, it's definitely as far as like Blizzard's learning the lessons that have been, um, you know, played out over the past few years, where esports has really become something significant. Um, where it's like you see Riot yeah. Games who make League of Legends like make all their mistakes, and you're like, oh, they're learning from that properly. Like they're really like innovators in that sense, um, whereas and and then also like Halo Three, you know, the audience wasn't necessarily there, and it's also a console game, which changes things a bit, um, exclusively on the Xbox. So there's those right. factors. There's one factor for me where we mentioned it before is Overwatch is really accessible and it's fun to get into, and that's what made it so popular to begin with. Yeah, does that like was great at that? You know. Maybe, you know, a, 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 what makes a competitive game turn into a spectator event is that it actually makes you feel miserable. That's my hot take. Okay. So, okay. like I said, League of Legends, man, it makes you feel awful. It's like one of my favorite games of all time, but it's not a mm-hmm. game you go to have fun. It's a game where it's mm-hmm. like half the time you're going to feel awful after 40 minutes yeah. or an hour because it's like sure. it's a very tight suspenseful game where you know you're on this five-man squad and you know the game it, it's every moment you're constantly thinking of like oh, i wonder if the jungle is warded ah how am i gonna you know mechanically push this guy off uh, some of his creeps so i can get more gold and like pressure him how can i maybe uh take an advantage of having uh, a, a, you know a spell that he doesn't have and uh, secure a kill for myself to get more gold, and then I get an item lead. And then it's like, oh, you know what? We, uh, my my teammate uh, in mid lane is getting harassed a little bit. Like, maybe I should, like, roam up there and help him out. Or we should just wait for the mid game and, like, try to, like, you know, cover for his disadvantages. And then it's like, oh, how do I get this objective on the map, like the Drake? Like, we really need to get that, but right. we also need to, like, motivate everybody to get over here. And it's like every single moment of that game is, like, you're constantly thinking. And, like, when you die in that game it's significant like you're losing so much resources for yourself and and you're like set back and especially when it's like you're randomly you know laddering uh, uh you know matchmaking with uh, uh random people like when you it's so funny the first person that dies is going to get like something set to him and it's like guys calm down he made a mistake but then it's <laughs> you know it's like how could you do this and it's like calm down because it is this thing of like that one kill is is significant, like... Um, and, you know, it goes on, what like... I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm hearing,
3: what I'm hearing is that you like online bullying. That's what I'm hearing. I'm, I do not... On- <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. Again,
1: you mute everybody that you play with. It'll help you so much. But no, like, it's this thing of, like, it really feels... It reminds me of, like, hockey, like, where, you know, as the game goes on, as it gets tighter, you know, every shot towards the goal is like a stab in the heart it like it's like oh my god it almost went in and it's the same thing as right. like league of legends goes on like you know um everything is worth more gold which is like your big way of taking an advantage and like every, and, and then your respawn timers get longer and longer as the game goes on so if you do die if you get caught out or something it's significant and it and it it's crazy the ebb and flow of like the momentum shifting and you know, it goes on for that for maybe 40 minutes. It can go on for an hour. And if you yeah. lose, it's it's just, like, devastating. Because, like, you put so much, like, effort into, like, thinking all, of all these factors. And, like, there's all this tension and suspense. And it's like, oh, I lost. And it's it feels like a sp- <laughs> It's terrible. Like, it ruins your day. Like, I used to play it for fun <sighs> with my good. friend. And then we switched to, like, Overwatch. Because I don't feel bad at the end of it. We're just like, whatever, I'll talk to you
3: later. Like... Uh, and and I, oh that's weird i don't know if i agree with that like yeah i mean I, at one point i mean you're talking about emotional investment and that is like the epitome of what subjectivity embodies so mm-hmm. there are probably people who give a good damn about it you know what i mean I, mm-hmm. I, I think if we were having a conversation on twitter i would probably respond with a the gif of that like it's like a commercial for, with like this like young latina girl that's kind of has she has her hands and she's shrugging and she's shrugging and she's like why not both (laughs) so which i'd say like maybe both of those can coexist and maybe they sort of exist in different tiers i mean they're most certainly different genres so it is really difficult to like make a direct comparison between the two i think what's interesting about overwatch is like that 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 like That accessibility and that watchability—it's almost like that. The accessibility speaks to the watchability in a kind of way. Like I enjoy watching it in a way that I can't watch League of Legends, and I kind of always—I think part of it is I kind of always know what's going on. I don't know. It it definitely seems like there's a big conversation. There were a lot of things you said in there that (laughs) I kind of wanted to. Do do you do you mind like sort of itemizing it like in a way so I can sort of like. So Maybe, I can sort of track. <laughs> I mean, we can. Like, what, can some, even... what are the biggest things that kind of float to the top for 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 you with with like how Overwatch might not pan out well? So I I think what I
1: like the big thing I'm getting at is like the high like it's it's one of the things where it's, like when you do win a game of League of Legends, and I think this goes for Counter Strike as well. Well, where like man, like aiming your gun in Counter Strike is really difficult, and like. Even getting a kill is really difficult. It's funny
3: you mentioned Counter-Strike, actually. Because, like, I think about... And this is what, what I'm curious to know. I'm playing devil's advocate here. And it's not even a matter of me advocating for Overwatch specifically. As much as, like, I'm curious to know how much of you is skeptical of maybe the fact that you're approaching this in, like, just an old guard... Traditionist mentality Where Mm. it's like The more painful it is The more sustainable it is You know what I mean? Like Oh man Getting the record Into the record player You know It was really like There was something (laughs) You know There's just something about that You know Just like this feeling You know And, And I say that because like this I, this conversation seems a little typical. Like, people said, like, when Counter-Strike 1.6 transitioned into Counter-Strike Source, I was hearing the same kinds of conversation on the internet. Like, it's so much more convenient. The guns have no recoil. Like, there was all <laughs> these kind of conversations about, like, oh, these conveniences and accessibility. So you can port it to, oh, we're porting it to console now? Like, it was this whole thing. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's just like, no, the world just changed with it. Like, there was... <laughs> I'm, I'm being very, like I'm being, I mean I'm speaking kind of high level about this, but I'm curious like is there any part of you that's like maybe like skeptical of your skepticism that like no, this I, won't work because yeah, I'm, because, I'm yeah.
1: you know I'm hard headed, I don't know, Like, because there's a thing of uh, <laughs> cause it's a thing of like say like hockey has changed over the years where it becomes faster and there's more goals, and like you know uh they definitely made it more watchable. But at the same time, it's hockey, you know, and, and like those high highs are the same as, as they ever were kind of thing where I think that's, yeah, like, I don't know what it, it, maybe I am thinking of like an old man mentality, but it's a thing of like, I finish an Overwatch game, I'm like, okay, cool, and if I lose and I'm like, okay, cool, if I win a big League of Legends or Counter-Strike match, I'm like, whoa, that was crazy, like, that felt like exhilarating. <laughs> but then if I lose, I'm like, I don't I just want to go to sleep. I don't want to do anything. Like so I yeah. I think that's kind of like that rubber band of like I to achieve like the same sort of like sensation I feel
3: when I watch that's like a rubber band's a good illustration. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with and and don't get me wrong, like I mean I think like like I think about it with World of Warcraft where it's like I loved doing stuff on my own and, like, completing it, I mean, or, like, with, like, a local group of people I know, and it's, like, completing an instance, like, even a difficult one is, like, you know, early, kind of, kind of like, early game, like, there's sort of, like, a reward, and, oh, man, we did a thing, you know? We were organized, we got it done, or whatever. But, like, if it's, like, sort of, like, a high-capacity, like, raid, you know what I mean? And you're organizing amongst a lot of people, and, like, one small mess-up, like, one, like, wrong aggro, one, like, mm-hmm. any, like... People are like on their Ps and Qs, and like they're expecting you to be there too. And they invested a lot to get exactly where they were. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like because if we mess this, there's money that has to go into repairing equipment that's expensive. Mm -hmm. There's all there's so many things. Like there's 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 this high investment that sort of like feels like really really intense. And I I wonder if that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. To which to which I don't feel that I I do, but I do feel you know some semblance of like pressure and and desire to do well i mean i imagine it's a little bit different like i i I suppose like going back to fcc i can feel that way about any street fighter match any marvel versus capcom match like those games are those games are all accessible like fighting Mm -hmm. games are like by nature accessible they're gonna be like special moves are gonna do but so much for you you know what i mean um but then it all comes down to the people in the context. Like, if it's for a pot and it's a part of Evo, like, I'm like standing up and I'm like yelling and I'm like screaming, right? And like, there is that, I think, viable excitement that's there. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. and like somebody like winning or losing or doing something exceptionally well or creative or emergent that like, you know that that nobody was expecting. You know what I mean? Like that famous match with with Daigo and Chun Li, and in Street Fighter Alpha three, where he like blocks this. He he, do, he does this. He does this manual consecutive block of like this like fifty hit combo and uh, it, uh, however many hits combo, and like the they they're, they're still there's I guess what I'm saying is like there's still room for these moments where these things are accessible, but the players change it and the context changes it um, in a way that. I almost, it almost seems like anything is game. Does that make sense? No, like, yeah,
1: I guess like the what you're, yeah, what we're both like walking like walking around is like the idea of we're like, in heated agreement. I think yeah. <laughs> yeah. where it's like there's yeah. uh, there's definitely a difference between um, a shallow game and something that's um, easy to pick up and hard to master. I think that's probably like mm, we're like yeah. Super Smash Brothers. Anyone can pick that up and really enjoy themselves. But like you watch True. like the high pro like the the expert-level matches. You're like, oh my god. Like, This is like, how how are they doing this? And I guess like the question is, like, is Overwatch uh, easy to get into, hard to master? Or is it shallow, I guess?
3: Oh, just completely shallow. Well, what I'm (laughs) curious to know, the alternative question that comes to mind for me is, I think about Hearthstone, where they also Mm -hmm. mastered accessibility. They said, we're going to make this game. It's going to be a card game. It's going to resemble magic in some ways, but... It's gonna be the games are gonna be about ten minutes long on average, and you're gonna be able to get in and get out really quickly. And the um, like the the sort of special cards of the game, like everybody's gonna have everybody's gonna have access to a core deck of cards, where like it really comes down to how clever you are. You know, we're going to get the balancing so right. It really comes down to how clever you are versus how stacked your deck is. And these epic cards that people have are going to be um, not necessarily overpowered as much as they're going to do really unique things that other cards wouldn't do that put you in special situations where you have to strategize more. And that was really cool and it was really interesting. And then people started taking it seriously and... It changed the meta in a lot of ways, and people found ways around what was handed to them. And then also, I mean, what, what I'll say is um, the game is so different now than it was back then. Like, you know, count like a couple expansions later, and now we have these, like, epic special rare cards that are just really, really powerful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, we have these ways that we have these arguments around, like, can you buy power and all these other things. And I wonder if, as Overwatch gets bigger, if Blizzard is just going to take heed to that. And they clearly have the minds capable to change the game in a way that, like, maybe it's a bit less approachable. Like, And it almost makes me wonder if, like, there's a strategy in having an approachability window and then making the game more complex over time. Like, for example, you know, the iPhone first coming out and iOS being this bare-bones smartphone thing where, like, the most advanced thing you had was YouTube. You didn't have an app store. You didn't have, like... You not even you couldn't even send like media in your messages, but it was basic, and everybody learned the core mechanic of how it worked. And then over time, in updates, they started adding more functionality, and people started learn like they started teaching people onto the system by like. The- I almost wonder if there's something sort of similar in the way that like Blizzard Blizzard like implements patches for things. That's really lofty for me to say that that's what they're doing. <laughs> that there's some crazy mastermind kind of thing behind that. But I wonder like if that's something that's possible, you know what I mean? Have you seen that in any places where a game will start out really accessible and it'll sort of just change over time?
1: I think, like, uh, probably, I mean, I'm sure, I feel like every esport has, like, that kind of, like, big moment of, uh, like, the game itself has a big moment where, like, a player figures out how to play a certain way and that, like, almost, like, opens up the door for so many other strategies come through um, that happened in League of Legends when, like, they figured out the formation and, like, how you would, like, sit on the map and everything. But, like, yeah, no, I see that. It's, it's like, a, it's definitely the, uh, the idea of, like, how much leeway does Blizzard give to, like, the players to, like, mess around and figure that out? And how much is it, like, do they step in and, like, try to figure out themselves? Um, I guess that's, like, a very, like weird question i don't know uh <laughs> it's difficult because it, it again like it's a brand new step they're they're taking where it's it's not it's they're like i don't want to say they're rushing through something but they're definitely like you know stepping up to the plate very quickly with this um and and that's where it's like all right like see how they if they can figure it out they can uh you know as far as like figuring out even how it's played it's it's still brand pretty new like games go through significant changes of how they're even like how the matches play out especially in esports uh you know in super smash brothers they don't use items or anything like that like they turn those off like it's like something that like yeah. came up over time it's like we don't we don't want
3: these things right. you know? <laughs> well they got they got they got well that's the thing they got rid of the things that rounded the edges mm-hmm. so i don't know it's almost like i'm not really worried okay okay yeah. The only thing yeah.
1: that popped in my head, the only other comparison that defends my my <laughs> <laughs> platform is like if you think of like Game of Thrones, right? And like they kill your favorite character and it feels horrible. Yeah. Well, they do that so like when when eventually something good happens, it feels really great. That's League of yeah. Legends since eSports for me. <laughs> and sports in general. <laughs> So we wanted like more of a objective point of view on this, and not just be totally subjective. Uh, so we're oh, gonna I love talk. Objectivity. To... Oh yeah,
3: <laughs> it's my favorite achievable thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get you.
1: Uh, so we're gonna talk to <laughs> Ryan Morrison, who is an attorney who uh, specializes in esports and uh, has a uh, talent agency that represents uh, players. So let's get to it. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine
2: and More. Everybody loves honey glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stocking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with
1: 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers. So, we're talking about how video games become a fit as an esport, a spectator event, um, and especially with Overwatch, it's um, unlike League of Legends and Counter-Strike, it wasn't organically or like naturally built up over years. Blizzard is investing a lot of money into it and banking on it uh, to become successful, so I guess like, just to start out in your opinion, uh, like, what factors do you think exist in a game that or need to exist in a game for it to graduate uh, to become an esport or a spectator event?
2: Well, there's a lot of tiers of esports, and I, I think no one would argue that there's only about 3 esports at Tier 1 right now, which is League of Legends, Counter-Strike, and Dota, probably in that order. Uh, those three games have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. There's plenty of other esports out there that have a fan base, are successful, uh, have prize money, the p- players are paid, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But they're just not that same tier. Uh, games like Hearthstone and Starcraft and things like that uh, are are right behind it. But they'll never catch up. They'll never surpass it. Something like Overwatch is exciting because Overwatch has the potential uh, to pass those some of those games and to break into that top tier game. Uh, when it was released, it had a massive fan uh, player base. It still does. Uh, the the spectator mode was an obvious issue, which you know we can talk more about later. But Uh, the viewer experience wasn't great watching it, but the playing experience playing it was amazing and it's very competitive. It's very, uh, entertaining. You want to do it again and again. And those are kind of the first steps to getting an eSport is having a good competitive game
1: with, um, all the money going into it, uh, with like, we have like $20 million buy-in to become a, uh, a franchise in the league, um, You know, you have to have a venue to, like, um, have these live events. I I hear, like, the mantra for it a lot is too big to fail. Do you see, like, because it's not coming from um, a very small spot, it's, you know, it it was a billion-dollar franchise before it was a year old, um, and they're putting just a lot of money into it. Do you think that, like, you know, supplants it growing organically, or do you think it still has the risk of failing even though there's a lot of money into
2: it? I mean, everything always has a risk. I, I don't think any of these games are around in 50 years. I don't think this is like basketball and football where they're timeless. Uh, I do think that these games, though, are set up for the long run. I don't. I, I agree with Too Big to Fail in the sense that there's a lot of money in the pool now. There's a, still a huge player base. And uh, you can go see all the, the pro players' Twitters and, and streams and, and everything else and see that they already have personal massive fan bases before the, the, the league's even started. So once the league starts and people know who their favorite team is and who their favorite player is on that team, and they're watching more because they're invested in it. I think it only gets massively more popular. And I also, you know, I I know just as a fan of the industry and someone who works in the industry that you don't bet against Blizzard and you don't bet against Bobby Kodak, and he's pretty hands-on with this one, so I think that we're going to see a a huge success there.
1: It does feel different because... Oh, sorry, you can go, Satchel.
3: No, yeah. What, What do you think are some of the fundamental tells of, like, a successful league in that regard? And I guess more specifically, I mean... Uh, how much How much weight do you think a a community sort of has in 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 like overall success for something like that or feasibility
2: I think the reason that these leagues are going to see success and, and others just don't is first off there's a lot of i can 't tell you at, at our law firm how many companies come to us once a week and say hey we 're going to make an eSport well that 's not how this works. You have to make a really good competitive game, you have to have a fan base, and then once you have that, you can translate it into an eSport. Uh, and the big thing around that is a community. Uh, no one wants to play an eSport that has long wait times because there's no one else playing on the other side or has uh, no similar similarly skilled people because there's not enough people to create a real rating system, and certainly no one wants to watch an eSport that no one else is talking about. So the, the beauty of League of Legends, the beauty of Dota, the beauty of, of Overwatch and Counter-Strike is that when you go into their subreddits or you go on Twitter when there's games being played, there's a lot of people talking about it and i think that uh we we've seen that in the top 3 games like i said but i think overwatch has that capacity because there's so many people already playing it when you go into overwatch you wait 4 seconds before you're in a game uh that that's because there's so many people playing that game and with that means there's a lot of people just sitting there waiting to be a fan of the league
1: yeah so um i guess along that lines is uh i guess with um counter strike it's been like time tested like that came out think early two thousands or late nineties and uh even though it went yeah. through some um you know ups and downs it is now n- you know number two uh e-sport probably um do you see as like with Overwatch, maybe it's not as time-tested, where it's like we see a lot of popular games come up often. Uh, right now, like the big popular games player Unknown Battlegrounds, and that's getting talked about as being an eSport. Like, do you think uh, there's a risk of uh, it- it's not necessarily time-tested, that they- the retention won't be there after a few years, like it has been for leagues or Dota?
2: Absolutely, and that's the fear here. I mean, that's, that's what everybody would be afraid of when they're starting a new league and starting a new sport like that. Uh, is the longevity of it. With Counter-Strike, you know, there was really nothing that rivaled it. There still really is, and in terms of skill cap and how how good you can be at something, Uh, Counter-Strike is just near the top of the game on that. And the audience is is a mix of a younger generation getting into it because it was the the hardest game to be good at that was a first-person shooter, and nostalgia from people my age that grew up playing it. Uh, The difference with Overwatch is it's just infinitely more fun it's cartoonier it's you know it's explodier and what it's that's a word i'm going to stick with and what it uh what it's done (laughs) is basically oh for example i just went over my my family's house for uh a, a holiday recently and the 12 year old there a you know he's an athletic kid he plays sports at school but he doesn't come home and watch sports he comes home and watches twitch he watches video games and that's just his tv it doesn't mean he's a basement dweller or a nerd he has friends he's out there he plays on his baseball team but he would never come home and watch baseball what he does is he comes home and he watches overwatch he doesn't watch counter-strike doesn't watch league of legends and the the difference with those games is the barrier to entry is so high for them to understand what's happening in league of legends or especially dota is near impossible and counter-strike is usually too mature where he's he's uh, 11 and his parents don't want him watching Counter-Strike. It's, it's quite literally terrorist versus counter-terrorist. There's bombs going off. And then you look at Overwatch and there's no blood. It's a lot cartoonier uh, without being too cartoony. That's wacky. And I really think that Overwatch is just grabbing all of these younger kids and we're going to see that be the reason that this game is in it for the long run.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that was like a kind of a theory of mine was like will this um, will Overwatch be able to compete with Um, these older esports because it's a more accessible game where it's like should these be accessible games like in a a spectator sport should it be like miserable for you to play and i i I still go back and forth of like i don't know like because the high like you know the feeling the high highs of league of legends you need those low lows and uh for like overwatch i'm like i don't know if they have if it's able to hit those high of highs, because it is very accessible and fun. It is just, like, a, a colorful, easy-to-get-into game. So that was, like, in my mind of, like, my gut-human reaction to it, instead of looking at, like, the uh, statistics, statistics and numbers.
2: But just because the barrier to entry, it basically isn't there that you can turn on Overwatch and start playing it, unlike the other games, Uh You know, because with Counter-Strike, there's items you have to buy. You don't know if you're buying the right ones. With League of Legends and Dota, there's an infinite amount of things. They they jokingly say, but it's pretty true, you need to play a 1,000 hours of Dota before you're a a beginner. Uh, With Overwatch, you turn it on and you can play. That said, to play at the level of my clients, you and I will never do. You know, it's just the skill ceiling is still there. It might not be as high as Dota or Counter-Strike, but it's still at a level where most people watching that game or playing that game, 99.9% of them. Will never be at that echelon.
1: Mm-hmm. So, actually, so you mentioned this before was the uh, spectator mode? I was interested in hearing about that because I know, like, the initial watching it was extremely hectic and it was hard to follow. Did, did that, like, change uh, over
2: time? Yeah, and again, I don't know how much is public on that, but what I can say is, is again, reasons you don't bet against Blazer or Bobby Kodak is they listen to feedback. Uh, Even games like Heroes of the Storm that don't have the massive player base other games do, they listen to feedback. They change that game. They iterate to a way that makes it fun. And, you know, my my friends and I still play that game all the time uh, because of that. They keep it fresh. They keep it fun. Overwatch was, yeah, terrible to watch as a spectator. It it was, uh, there's too much going on. There's too many colors all over the place. And it was just, even as someone who played the game, I couldn't really sit down and, and get into it the same way I would. Uh, watching an individual person stream just through their view or playing it myself. But there's uh, absolutely changes going forward with that. There's going to be a lot of uh, different things they've done to make it more watchable, and they have to. I mean, that's that's the big hurdle here. But I'm I'm pretty excited to see what they come out with as a, as a final version. And I know the people working on it are people who know how to do this stuff, that aren't just going to slap something together. Uh, but if you go back to old-school Dota or old-school Counter-Strike, they were equally pretty terrible to watch. There's less going on, there's less pixels everywhere, there's less uh, I mean, particles, but it, it still wasn't great. And it's up to the caster, it's up to the cameraman, and that's where we're going.
3: Yeah, what are, what are some of the ideal changes that bubble to the top of that wish list for spectator mode, like from the community?
2: Well, I mean, I've heard a lot of ridiculous... I can't talk about the ones that are happening, so I can say some of the ones that aren't oh, that's, happening. that's fine. That yeah, purely, purely just
3: conversations, uh, the ones you hear the most.
2: Yeah, people people wanted people had recommended dropping two heroes from each team, so it's six on six right now. They wanted four v four. Uh, people had recommended taking away jumping because when you're at such a pro level, you can aim and still jump the entire time, which makes it harder for other people to hit you while keeping your reticle perfect the entire time. But as a spectator, you just see a bunch of people hopping around, uh, so you know that can be frustrating too. But there's, there's a yeah. lot of little things you can do that make a big difference. And I think even if you watch Contenders, that was just the playoff series recently, if you watch that versus what you were watching a, a year ago, it's it's night and day already. They have stationary cameras where you don't have to kind of go through somebody's eyes and hope they're looking at everything. Now there's stationary cameras floating above the map uh, that can kind of show you the entire team going around a turn. It's just a lot easier to watch. And as, as you see uh, everything else come out, I think it's, it's going to be just obvious that it's a better product
1: is blizzard more hands-on from the start and i don't know is that a good thing or a bad thing as far as like the gameplay goes where it's like are the players figuring out how best to play this and uh, uh blizzard's reacting or is blizzard itself trying to figure it out and maybe the player uh their contributions aren't as important i'm not sure
2: yeah, I mean, so there, Blizzard basically, as, as you can see, does not have a, a game that I would put on that top tier list. Uh, they've had very successful esports in a way. They were, you know, Starcraft is one of the most successful esports ever, but kind of before there was an esports scene. So the, the money and the success and the fame and the fortune wasn't quite there in the way it would be today for some of the, the sim, a similar player. Uh, but Blizzard has been watching everything. They understand what's happening and they're looking at it. Uh, and I think that when you see what Riot does, where they are very hands-on, they run their own league, they, they control League of Legends entirely, uh, that's the polar opposite from what Valve does with Dota and Counter-Strike, where uh, Valve completely doesn't touch it. They might have an event or a major or a minor every once in a while, but people can run their own leagues, people can do their own thing. They, they really are super hands-off. And uh, Blizzard's kind of in the middle there right now, where they're, they're not... Uh, or, or historically, anyway, they've been in the middle where they've been, you know, running their own leagues and things. But there's been other tournaments. They haven't been super hands on. They haven't been super uh, in charge of running the own leagues. But with Overwatch, we're seeing it basically be what League of Legends is, where it's going to be only one league. It's going to be Blizzard owning that league, and it's going to be Blizzard running that league.
1: So it's kind of fortunate to talk to you this week because um, some leaks came out about the uh, new League of Legends franchise. Um, Can you uh, talk about that a little bit, or just explain what franchising means uh, for esports and League of Legends?
2: Sure. So, historically, League of Legends has been uh, a game of relegation, where the the bottom teams were pushed down into the minors, basically, and the the top teams and the minors were pushed up, Uh, very similar to Premier League Soccer and and other leagues that that follow similar rules. (coughs) Um, It's been... Uh, an issue for a long time. Sponsors were afraid to invest and, and everything else, and the solution became, let's have 10 solid slots, or whatever the is going to wind up being, of, uh, of teams that are a franchise spot. They're not going anywhere. They've bought in. They have this spot. And League of Legends is doing that, where they're going to have uh, a set number of teams that are part of the league forever, whether they're good or bad, and uh, they're all going to be centrally located in, in LA, play in Santa Monica, and, and go from there uh blizzard's doing the same thing but they're doing uh it regionally where new york's gonna have a team boston's gonna have a team texas has a team et cetera, et cetera. and that's uh that's it's two models of the same kind of idea and it'll be interesting to see which one works out better mm-hmm.
1: so like the big news from it came uh, was um uh, team immortals i think they're the first venture capital-backed team and they had a pretty successful uh, League of Legends team that you know went to worlds this year um, they definitely uh, use uh, their money to get good contracts I think um, but yeah they were a team that was actually rejected out of the league and that was like the big surprise. Um, once you get into it a little bit and, like, try to figure it, like, you see, like, Cleveland Cavaliers are coming in, that, like, MSG is backing CLG, it makes more sense. Um, but of course, there's many factors to probably why they got rejected. I don't want to, like, speculate too much. Um, but of course, like, uh, Immortals is very much adamant about getting into, um, the Overwatch League, and, uh, I don't know, does that, like, do you think that, like, it's fair to say that, like, represented a risk for Riot? Uh, who make League of Legends, like, they're thinking, oh, they're really getting into this league that, you know, poses some risks, uh, and that would maybe be a a factor to why they uh, didn't get their bid into uh, the league franchise system?
2: I mean, I suppose, there's a couple things there that I want to jump on. The first is, you know, if if there's rumors running around that Immortals bought good contracts and that's why they won, I mean, it's, it's basically the polar opposite. They, not that they don't take care of their players well, but what what Immortals did and, and why everyone is shocked if this is true is Immortals built an infrastructure there where players could go and grow with that org and they were taken care of properly. They had everything from mental health coach to nutritionist to proper practice hours. And it, it's really uh, an infrastructure and a, and a team culture there that, is, that led to their success and their fan base and everything else. I mean, uh, their, their CEO, Noah Winston, is... Honestly, one of the best CEOs in esports. Absolutely. It's it's uh it's one of the silliest decisions I think in the history of esports if Riot if, if it turns out true that Riot is not taking them forward. Uh that said, you know, it reality is reality and if, if they did not, I would imagine that the Overwatch League uh bid and, and or their spot on the Overwatch League doesn't help things, but if you're going by the leak list, there's other teams on that list that also have an overwatch league spot. So it's I I, I don't know the reasons. We probably never will but I find it very uh, very strange and, and would take a lot of explaining to justify that decision to me in terms of who they've accepted versus who they're, they're not over at Riot.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I have uh, any more uh, questions unless you do, Satchel.
3: I'm, I'm good. This has been great. All right, thank you so
1: much, really, for taking the time Thanks
3: out.
2: Thanks so much. Anytime, my pleasure.
1: Next up, Eric Kane and Paul Tassi talk the pros and cons of the controversial sequel to what was a beloved take on the Lord of the Rings mythos, Middle-Earth Shadow of War.
2: You serve the Bright Lord now! Bright Lord, Dark Lord! Same thing, really? It results me ripping spines out, which I
3: like to do anyway, so either way's a win.
0: Hi, this is Eric Kane,
3: And this is
4: Paul Tassi.
0: Today we're going to talk about Middle-Earth Shadow of War, a new game from uh, the makers of Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor. Uh, we're both playing that. We've been playing that for the last, what do you think, week week or so? Infinite amounts of hours. It's been, it's been a long Infinite. time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably, I don't know, eight eight or so hours into the game. Not, not super far. Um, I'm in act two right now. Um, how far have you gotten? I think I'm like 25,
4: 30, but exhaustion is, is starting to set in. So I, I'm not sure if I'll see it to the end or not.
0: I think that, um, I think that sort of touches on something. Uh, are games too long sometimes? Do they just feel like there's too much busy work? I, that's kind of what I'm starting to see with this game, that there's just so many things to do. I could see how burnout would happen. Well,
4: it's weird because we've had kind of this year where the open world genre has expanded in, in a couple ways where you have like Zelda Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn, which have taken kind of the traditional open world structure but done kind of really cool and unique things with it and this this kind of feels like going back to a lot of the kind of like open world tropes that I would not mind leaving behind and like it's still cool because it still has kind of its signature nemesis system but it's just it's just a lot of stuff <laughs> and a lot of the stuff is kind of repetitive and I'm not super jazzed about thinking about doing it for another like 10 or 20 hours on top of what I've already done so that's that's where kind of fatigue is setting in for me.
0: Yeah. Is that is that how long the game's supposed to be? Like I heard people. 40, 50 hours? I heard people
4: spending like sixty hours with it. I think it's kind of what you wow. make of it because there's this kind of ultimate end game that turns into this really grindy kind of like defense defend your castles type thing, which I think can essentially go on for, for as long as you want. So it's <laughs> kinda of about how much you, you put into it.
0: Yeah. I I am not at the Defend Your Castles point yet. I am at the recruit your army stage. Um having finished the murder lots of people stage. You you have not finished the murder can. lots of
4: people stage. That stage well, is infinite. No, no.
0: <laughs> but but you, you you have no choice at first but to murder and um, then eventually, you know, in the second act when you get the ring, you can start recruiting. And that's kind of con- – like lore-wise is kind of confusing to me because in the first game, you could recruit with a power, but it had nothing to do with a ring. But it seems to me that the ring is what does it in this game. Is it kind of like a um, – have, have they sort of rewritten how that I, works? What, this whole series on?
4: is kind of fan fiction, so they kind of just do whatever they want. Yeah. In this case, I, th- I thought it was weird that it took it took like what? At least probably six, seven hours, at least for me, for them to introduce – kind of domination and the the mind control uh, nemesis mechanic, which I thought was odd because that's like the core of the game. Um, so I, I was kind of just kept waiting and waiting for that. And maybe I was just kind of messing around and exploring too much, but I, I did thought they waited an awful long time to introduce that.
0: Uh, yeah. And it's, it's just, it's interesting because I mean, because you could do that in the I, – I, I guess I'm, I'm a little confused with this whole – you're right. It's just fan fiction, so I can't think about it too much. But by the end of the first game, you were like dominating and controlling. You had a whole army of orcs. But then by the start of this one, you're like kind of back to square one. And it doesn't and really even give you like ring. a video
4: gamey explanation like, oh, Itzio, your house blew up and all your gear was in it. Like
0: <laughs> yeah. this
4: one's just kind of like, eh, I don't know. We like lost this ring for a little while and – I don't know what happened to our giant army from the last game. Like, let's not think about it.
0: <laughs> also, you know what else is weird is the rings, you get like better rings as you play.
4: Yeah, it's like like upgrades a, to what like the a, hell? what's a relic. That all about? I don't know. I assume it's something that's like amplifying kind of the base ring that you have, but it is yeah. weird because you're like kind of in pursuit of this one super ring you're like, oh, here's fifty versions of it that that are dropping, yeah, which it's- is, is strange.
0: The whole thing. So what's there's sort of this weird like love hate thing I have for this game right now. In terms of like gameplay, I really do love how it plays. I think that the the mo like just the movement is really cool. You can run really fast. You can zip up the sides of surfaces really fast. You can jump off of any surface, no matter how high. You can double jump. Um, just moving around the map is really fun, and I enjoy it a lot. and And the the combat is is really fun, um, though. I think I, I think I only died once in, like, seven or eight hours of play. I only died once. So I, I haven't found it. I guess I need to turn up the difficulty uh, or something. I mean, I, I,
4: I think if you hard. just keep going, you'll start getting in situations where there's just, like, three or four, war, like, war chiefs around you at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they're summoning giant, you know. Like, I, I encountered this. I mean, I like the, the nemesis system because you get to do cool things like this. Like, there was a legendary orc I encountered who... It's like a beastmaster. Like a normal beastmaster will summon like one of those dog – I forget what they're called. One of those dog things uh, and they, it'll, it'll attack Karagor. you. Karagor. yeah. So this one yeah. had a constant pack of three Caragors around him and he summoned one of those giant grog things whenever you attack him. <laughs> so that became nice. like this crazy like creeping around this empty castle, like just hitting him from stealth when you could and avoiding all this menagerie of beasts. And it's situations like that when the, this game is really, really cool, when it creates kind of these dynamic uh, encounters. But I feel like for every, like, one dynamic encounter I had, I had about maybe five or ten of just, like, well, oh, here's this one boss, and I guess I'll mind control him like after killing this swarm of, like, 800 orcs around me. And, like, that situation <laughs> kind of repeats over and over and over again and to the point yeah. where like I don't know if I want to do this like a ninety fifth time <laughs> for for another captain. So that that to me is like that mechanic can be really interesting when the game uses it um in, in creative ways, but a lot of the time it's it's a little dull.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, and I think that speaks to what we were saying. I, I think that some games just don't need to be as big as as they are. I feel like the, a slim down version of this game would be perfectly fine. I I, I I feel like you know maybe it's partly you know the fault of the audience, the you know gamers. We always want more and more and more. Um, and if it's if there's not enough content in a game, then people complain that they're getting ripped off. But honestly, like. I guess I just don't – this is a, this feels like a very huge game and for me that starts to feel like a turnoff in some ways. I just don't feel like I have the time and it starts to feel like a chore. Even though, yeah, the, the gameplay can be very fun. I I've, I've, I really enjoy blowing stuff up in this one. I've noticed there's a lot of opportunities to just set everyone on there's fire. There's just explosive like barrels the first everywhere.
4: Game. Yeah, and everywhere. you unlock a lot of skills that like set things on fire, which is pretty fun. But – it, you,
0: you can take out like several captains at once just by like blowing enough stuff up.
4: <laughs> yeah. Until you run into all the fire immune ones or enraged by fire. And <laughs> it gets less fun. But yeah, in terms of the size, like I keep, I don't know how many areas you've unlocked, but you keep going to kind of new areas, which are sort of creative. Like in their, in their, the way they're presented, like there's like an ice area and there's one in like a volcano. And, but the problem is, is, like every time you go to a new area, it's literally just starting from scratch again, where all the orcs you just controlled in the last area, you can have like a whole army over there, but you can't take any of those over to this new place. Like those are just kind of set up shop in the place you just left. So it's like each new area, you're essentially kind of starting from scratch. And that, that to me is what's feeding into the kind of exhaustion where it's like, oh, do I really want to like take over another four bodyguards and have them backstab the war chief like and like after just doing that <laughs> you know, three yeah. other times? So that that to me is it's not changing enough. Like I'm getting more skills and the captains are getting more interesting and stuff like that. But fundamentally it's it's pretty much the same and that aspect of it is 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 wearing on me.
0: And then you have online vendettas also where you go into somebody else's world basically.
4: That's a and, neat and idea have... I haven't done too too many of those like they're they're kind of I like them because they're kind of self contained encounters in a game that doesn't have that many self contained encounters so yeah. it's nice to kind of do like a one off thing like that um that this is one aspect where I don't really mind how they've incorporated online play I think it's a little kind of creative uh, I saw a suggestion online where they should have something where you Hit your best orc against like your friend's orc and like can wager on it and stuff like in the, in like the fighting pits or whatever. I thought that would be kind of cool, but they yeah, like Pokey do orc. not have that poke orc. Yes. Uh, this is, this is a lot like Pokemon now that I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah, it is. Kind of, you can't, you know, you, they, they should have actually marketed it that way. shown a bunch of orcs and like, got to catch them all, you know, yeah, or got to uh, get them all from loot boxes, but <laughs> Yeah, from loot boxes. So that's so the thing about so first the online vendetta thing is once you go into an online vendetta, you've got a whole stable of orc captains once again that you can control and that you can get intel on. So that just makes it even more sprawling. There's just an endless amount of of captains and war chiefs and, and different different uh activities. Then 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 there's the loot boxes. How does so when you get orcs in the loot boxes? How does that end up? <laughs> this is like, like okay, know? in
4: addition to just being dumb, this is the most confusing loot box system I think I've ever seen in any game, <laughs> which you wouldn't think it would be. But I got all these like I got I pre-ordered like a day early or whatever, because I didn't have a code, but uh, it it gave me like one legendary orc box. So I got like four legendary level 15 orcs or something. And they appear in like a little list, but it took me probably another eight hours to figure out what I actually do with them. And what, what you, I think is still like 30 hours in. I'm not entirely sure. I think what you're supposed to do is like orcs you get from loot boxes. If you've killed a captain on the map and there's like a, an empty space where it's like a dead orc there, you can highlight that and then be like, all right, I want to send in my loot box orc to take that spot. So you automatically have an orc on the map. Um, but it gets weird because like now those orcs stay the same level unless you're leveling them. So now I'm playing like level 30 plus content and I have these like level 15 orcs that aren't going to do me any good anymore and just get murdered. So it's, it's very strange. And I just, this whole loot box thing. And I got I wrote about this. You can't really avoid it because the currency you get in the game, you, you spend it on almost nothing in the, in the game itself. And instead, it kind of herds you to the loot box store where you can use kind of the free currency to pay for the base level of like an orc loot box or a gear loot box, whereas they want you to pay for like the super loot box with real life money. And it's just a weird system because it, it essentially puts the entire currency sink into loot boxes, which I think kind of hampers the main game and other systems they could have, could have invented to where you could use your money for something more normal.
0: Yeah, I I, so I spent ten dollars to buy loot boxes just to see what it was like, and I got the orcs and I got some gear, and it's just really unsatisfying in a lot of ways because you know this is all stuff that you can just play. I mean, it's the whole point of the game is to get those orcs and get the gear by playing the game. So unlike something where you're like like a loot box in Overwatch where you're getting a cool skin, you know, for Junkrat here you're just getting stuff that you should just do this is the whole point of it this is the very purpose of the game is to get this stuff by playing the game it really it's really strange cuz in the first game i did buy some microtransactions i got some skins and stuff and that to me was pretty cool because i could make Talion look different and that was fun and you know this this time it's just really i don't even see why anyone would ever spend it well, yeah this is where
4: it works. backfires where it's like you could put loot boxes in your game but if they're so stupid and pointless that no one wants to buy them like was that even worth it I and mean, maybe because yeah. you know even if half a percent of players are buying loot boxes that is more than 0 and that is some amount of money and it doesn't really cost anything to just put a bunch of random stuff in loot boxes but yeah. i think it does make the rest of the game worse because what could have been like an interesting like mercenary mechanic or like gear upgrade system using gold or something. It's just been replaced by like, here, here's some random stuff from loot boxes. And it's, it's essentially like paying for like kind of randomized cheat codes because this is a single player game. And I can imagine like this game coming out 20 years ago would have been like, Oh, input a code for, to instantly spawn a legendary orc or to like instantly drop yeah. legendary gear. And like, that was fun for messing around, but like, As anyone who used cheat codes back when those existed knows, it can be a little boring if you're just blowing through a game that would be otherwise interesting and challenging using cheat codes. And now they're just kind of wanting you to pay for that privilege, which is just a bizarre situation to be in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems pretty dysfunctional in a lot of ways. And so that goes all, you know, I I think Shadow of War is one of those games that's going to be just sort of love-hate all around because... The story is also really pretty bad i feel like there's some good moments in the story but it comes back to that sort of fan fiction stuff that you, that you were saying earlier it's just it's so not middle earth at all it's so far from tolkien or from anything even resembling it that it's just hard to take seriously and so that the loot boxes see i don't even know, think it's gonna, sort of, i don't even
4: think it's gonna be love hate i think it's like everyone's just kind of like yeah <laughs> like in the middle, like I mean, this isn't like an egregiously bad game, but it's not like something to get super excited about either. Like I, don't, I haven't even run into anyone where it's like, oh my God, this is, is the worst or this is amazing. Like it it does seem to be kind of a muted reaction all around from what I've, I've seen so yeah. far.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean I think it's getting – I'd have to check. Um, I, th- I think it's getting pretty good user reviews. Uh, I think it – let me see. On uh, Steam, it was like
4: mostly positive. Steam, mostly positive. Steam's so yeah. hard to gauge though, so because as soon as like they introduce something, it will be like, "Oh, they'll review bomb it, and that'll drop." So
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very positive right now. Oh, okay. Actually,
4: I mean, it's, it's not um... it's not an unenjoyable game. It just does some dumb things that I don't really know why yeah. it does, and it's just a bit too long. Like I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed like the twenty five, thirty hours I've put into it, or twenty or whatever it's been but it's, it's so big and so expansive and like, it's not really changing that much as time goes on where I'm like, Oh man, I don't know, especially with, you know, all these other games about to come out in like a week and a half. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, so many games coming out. Uh, I mean, just on the 27th alone, there's super Mario odyssey, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. What else? What am I missing? There's uh, other Stranger
4: stuff. Things season two. <laughs>
0: okay, Stranger Things season Not two. Not video games,
4: but well, yeah, that's uh-huh. the thing. It's like I'm probably about to get an Assassin's Creed code any day now, and like I don't really want to burn out on Mordor just to have to jump into another open world game where I'm already exhausted. <laughs> from yeah, a giant open world yeah. game days earlier. So I'm I'm gonna take a little bit of a break. I think
0: this this I I'm I'm curious to see which one you'll enjoy more because. I mean there's no doubt that that the Shadow of War, that this franchise has better combat than Assassin's Creed. But Assassin's Creed has a totally overhauled combat system this year and uh, it should be interesting. I don't know. But yeah, this is, that's probably going to be another 60-hour excursion easily. Yep, yep. <laughs> I just want more short games. I'm looking forward to Call of Duty because there's probably going to be like a six-hour campaign and I'll feel good about that because I'll be able to finish it quickly. And... <laughs> yeah,
4: no, I, I... – <laughs> envy games like that
3: now
0: <laughs> i mean that's why i've been playing Fortnite lately and you know that that's the kind of game where you can sort of just jump in and jump back out and it's it's kind of great like i don't know i just these huge games are hard for me these days
4: it depends i mean if it's something that's really engaging like i didn't mind at all putting 30 hours into horizon zero dawn like that kind of breeze by or zelda but if it's something that's not doing enough to like really get me invested, then that's when I'm like, I don't know if this is worth my entire week, <laughs> you know, yeah. just, just to do 20 more hours of what I've been doing for the last 20 hours.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty into the, the Zelda. Um, I don't know. i i I think I've just had a hard time with most of the open world games this year, even though there's been some pretty good ones. I think there's just too many. Maybe I'm just turning into a filthy casual and just gonna play player unknowns on Fortnite and Call of Duty all the time. Well, the I honestly, fighter, I, so. Yeah. I th- I think if there was like a new Dark Souls coming out, I think I'd have a hard time even getting into that. Just just it's just uh, it's just a lot. Wow, that's quite the statement from you. I know, I know. But <laughs> now now if it was a new Bloodborne, I think I'd probably yeah, be yeah. able to get into that. But <laughs> Well, I guess uh, you know the verdict is still out on Shadow of War. If you can get through it, um, I'll, I'll keep playing. I, like I said, I probably eight eight or so hours in. I don't, I haven't kept track that closely. I'm also playing the new South Park game, which is delightful. Um, too many, too many uh, toilet mini games, but um, <laughs> you can skip those if you want. I just, I can't. I have a hard time. I'm sort of a completionist sometimes, and that's that's another thing that makes these games hard for me. I have a hard time sort of setting aside all these little side quests and, and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week with more video games. Thanks for listening
1: that's it for this episode of Overworld. thanks for listening i'm
0: matt perez and i'm satchel
3: drakes if you'd like to get in touch with us please reach us at overworld at podcast one that's O-N-E dot com. and also you can reach us on twitter my handle is at satchel drakes that's satchel like a bag with an extra l and mine is matt ryan
1: perez thanks for listening take care Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter
2: at Total Wine and More. Did you know there were over 1 million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fine hunting for your brilliant brunch, Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000
1: wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. (sniffs) Cheers!
2: I'm Ed Donahue.